All right. Well, last week we closed out a series called The Missing Peace. And if you were here, you'll remember that series was all about the body of Christ. It was unity in the body of Christ. How Clawson is not the only body of Christ. We're just a small portion and a small piece of his body. And all of the believers together make up Jesus' body. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. And so last, what, for over the last four weeks, what we have been talking about is our role in his body. What is my role in the body of Christ? What is it that God has called me to do? What do I need to be uh, working in because he has gifted me in and he's given me passions towards that I can be assisting and moving forward with the body of Christ? It's all a bit been about the inner workings of the body of Christ. Now, this week and, and over the next four or five weeks, we're going to be talking about what is our role outside of the body of Christ. So we've been talking about inside the church. Now for the next four or five weeks, we're going to be talking about what is Josh's role? What is Tina's role? What is Kevin's role? What is Sean's role outside of his body? What does that look like? Because we don't always just get to hang out with the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. And so we need to go outside of the four walls, outside of the body too. And, and what is our role in that? So if you're taking notes, the series title for the next several weeks is going to be Us Versus Them. And this series is all about breaking the mentality that it's the church versus the world. Now, I don't think that our church deals with this as much as lots of other churches, but I know that tons and tons of churches have this like us versus the world mentality. Democrats have a Democrats versus Republican mentality and Republicans have a Republican versus Democrat uh, 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 thought process. And this has taken place inside the world that we have this us versus the world. I have to separate myself from the world. I have to get myself away from people of the world. It's me versus them. And so how do we break that mentality? That's what we're going to be talking about. Pastor Kenneth Copeland, very known pastor, most recently probably known for attempting to blow away COVID-19. I don't know how many of you saw that uh, video on YouTube. It was interesting. But Pastor Kenneth Copeland, millions and millions of followers. He said something, I want to quote him, something that made me think of this whole us versus the world mentality. So he bought Tyler Perry's jet, which I'm not judging him for that. If you got money and you can buy Tyler Perry's jet, you want to do that? That's awesome. But he bought Tyler Perry's jet and somebody was interviewing him and they said, well, wh wh why, why don't you want to fly commercial? And he said this thing that struck me as a little bit odd. Here's what he said. He said, on a commercial flight, it's like getting into a long tube with a bunch of demons. <laughs> this thought process, me versus the demons, me versus the people that are not Christians, me versus the world. Where did that thought process come from? I'm going to say it came from Satan. But we're going to say that it started with Religious, religious, religious people that came out of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people that, you know, back in the day in the, in the Old Testament, they were literally separated from the world because those people couldn't be God's people. They didn't have a chance to be God's people. And so they were separated from the world. And so some church people, lots of church people still have this mentality on them because of this that has been taught in the world for so long. Like, I got to get away from the world. I don't want to go to people of the world. And so how do we break that mentality? People outside of the church, us versus them. I can't defile myself by associating with someone that is of the world. I believe this is one of the reasons that churches a lot of times get put into like a click category or that anybody ever heard a church called a cult? Lots of church. In fact, I've heard Clawson called a cult several times. You drink the Kool-Aid at Clawson. You're going over there. Are you nuts? Anybody ever been told that? Don't raise your hands. I'm just, hey, I seen some men. So, so listen, you know why we've been put into a, a lot of churches have been put into this like cultish mentality, like, like, um, um, click type mentality. 
It's because that I believe a lot of them subconsciously have developed a mindset that we, would com- we should shut ourselves off from the world. And that's not biblical. And so during this series, I'm going to challenge that concept because the only way that we can reach people of this world is if we're building relationships with people of this world. So this whole series, what, what does our relationship with the unbelieving world look like? What should it look like? You guys ready? Heavenly Father, I just come to you right now. Lord, I thank you for your word. It's so good. I pray, God, this morning that you would help us to eat up your word. I pray that you would give us what we need. Lord, I pray that each and every person here, that you would minister to us on the level that we're at. Lord, I love you and thank you and praise you. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. Lots of people ask, Pastor, what, what version of the Bible do you use? And just to throw it out there, I use the New Living Translation. That's what I read out of, mostly because it's a fifth grade uh, reading translation that is, that is also really, really, it's easy to read and it's really good um, on who, who put it together. And so that's what I typically use. So if you want to follow with me and you want to get one of those, or if you're on your iPhone and you want to click over to the New Living Translation, if not, then it'll be on the screen. You can read it on the screen. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 9 through 11. It says this. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or who worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer and yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. Okay, so stay with me here. Paul wasn't talking about the church being contaminated by people outside of the church. He said everywhere that you go in life, you'd have to get off the earth to not come in contact with those people. What he said is, I don't want you to be contaminated with people that are inside of the church that say that they're representing me and that they're they're, they're living a godly and Christian life, and yet they're still indulging in sexual sin. What I'm saying is the world is not going to contaminate you. People inside of the church that are living the wrong way is typically what is going to contaminate the church. And so if we're going to stay away from anybody... We just stay away from people that say that they're Christians that don't live out Christianity in their walk because those are the people that are contaminating the church and the body, not people outside of the church that are unbelievers. Sinners sin, y'all. That's why they're called sinners. That's why they're unbelievers because they don't believe. Those people are going to do those types of things. It's us that should be living out the example to them to show them a better way in life. And what the Bible says is when people are saying that they're living out that life and yet they're not actually living out that life, those are the people that you stay away from because those people will also come on your witness and make it look like that you support and agree with them. Amen? Each week of this series, we're going to be diving into scripture and we're going to be talking about breaking out of the four walls, breaking out of this unhealthy mindset so that we can learn to reach everyone for Christ. Listen, our value is we give all that we have and all that we are to reach all of the people. Somebody say all of the people. So in order for us to reach all of the people, we have to have the right mindset. 
So we're working on our mindset throughout this month. The title to the message this morning is Salt and Light. And if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. This is the scripture that we're diving into. And here we go. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, be salt. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, be light. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. These scriptures are literally describing what our relationship to the world should be. Jesus tells us, I want you to be salt and I want you to be light. And this is what we're going to dive into this morning. I have three, no, three points for you. So if you're taking notes, here's point number one. Be salt. Be salt. Susie said something last week that I thought was so cool. Be salt. She said, all of us are salt, but some of us are stuck in the salt shaker. And it's time for us to start shaking and get out of the salt shaker. If you're stuck in the salt shaker and the only salt, the only time that you're ever salt is in these four walls, then you got issues. Because you're not made to be salt so that you can stay in a shaker. You're made to be salt so that you can do something great in the world. Salt is a great thing, y'all. Y'all don't like salt? What's wrong with y'all? Salt is fantastic. Does anyone appreciate salt? I love salt. You know, you know, there is some foods that are honestly better to be thrown in the trash than eaten without salt. I know y'all are going to say I'm picky and that's okay, but some foods you just got to have salt on. I'll give you one. Watermelon is one, but I'll give you, I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. Scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs. Y'all, we went to, uh, me and my wife went somewhere the other day. I don't remember where we were, but I went down to get breakfast because there's a hotel that does complimentary breakfast. And um, well, now they do these stupid bags. You got to go down and you get like a graham cracker and a, a juice or something. You don't even get a breakfast. But back then they were still doing breakfast. And uh, so we went down and of course I got all the healthy stuff, you know, bacon and yogurt and, and uh, scrambled eggs. And so I fill, up, fill up my plate and I get over there and it is, it's foreign to me to not cook with with, with salt in your eggs. Like you don't make the eggs and then put salt on it. You put salt in before you make the eggs. Okay, so what does that do? It makes it inside of your eggs. And so you put salt in the eggs, you make the eggs. So because it's foreign to me, I usually don't salt my stuff after it's cooked. I salt my stuff before while I'm cooking it. And so I get there and I sit down, honest to God, there's people all around, and I stick this big thing of, um, of, of scrambled eggs in my mouth and I just... <laughs> it's that bad, y'all. You, scrambled eggs without salt is garbage. It's not good. And it's hotel eggs. And so hotel eggs aren't even eggs. That like came out of this box. And it's not even real eggs. So, it's, so anyways, there's some things that, that, that just, you got to have salt. Now, let me give you one more example before we move on, because I want you to understand this whole be salt thing. Um, the most broken heart I've ever been with my own cooking was whenever I, I cooked, I was in a hurry to cook chicken and dumplings. Any of y'all ever cook chicken and dumplings? 
Listen, I was in a really big hurry to cook chicken and dumplings. That's what my kids wanted to eat. And when I make chicken and dumplings, they wipe that thing out. Like, this is her favorite thing. But when you're cooking chicken and dumplings, you don't ever add salt at the end. You can add a lot of pepper at the end, but you add salt while they're cooking so that it's in the food. If you try to put it on, it's just, it's not the same thing at all. And so I made these chicken and dumplings, and I was doing other things while I was cooking, and I made these chicken and dumplings. The reason that I said my, 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 it broke my heart is because I, I finished everything up. And I went to go get a bowl and I threw it in and I took my thing and I was about to leave. I threw my backpack on and I took this big bite and I took this big bite and my heart sank because I didn't put any salt in the chicken dumps. And I thought to myself, oh God, I ruined the kids dinner. So I tried to like salt and pepper it all after it was done and they didn't even eat, they didn't even eat the pot. Like that's how bad, there's a big difference. Y'all and salt them while cooking. Okay. That was a long time to get through that. But anyways, um, Listen, salt is important. The reason that I told you that is because salt changes the dynamic of your food. Amen. Amen? Salt brings about this beautiful flavor to your food if you use it right. And just like salt brings about this wonderful and beautiful flavor to your food, Jesus literally said, you guys are salt. That is who you are. That is huge. So what he's saying when he says you are salt is that you are supposed to bring good flavor to the earth. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that in point three. How do I bring flavor to the earth? How do I move this flavor into the earth? What does that look like? But just know you're supposed to flavor the earth, not stay inside the salt shaker. You know what else salt does? Salt also works as a preservative. Before before there was, you know, freezers and all of that stuff, people used to use salt to preserve their food. And so when I think about the gospel and I think about Jesus telling us to be salt, I have a scripture that I want to read thinking about it being the preservative. Look at this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, let me now remind you your brothers and sisters of the good news I preached to you. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it now. It is the good news that saves you. Listen, if. Everybody say if. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message that I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. That scripture says, it is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message, if you continue to preserve the message, if you continue to be the salt that I've called you to be. So when something is being preserved with salt, you use salt and you, 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 you put it in this salt. And you know what happens if that thing gets pulled out of the salt? If it gets pulled out of the salt, then it stops being preserved. And when it stops being preserved, then it becomes ruined. And then it goes from ruined to rotten and nasty and no good. And so if Jesus tells us to be salt and he tells us that you, it, it saves you if you continue to believe, what he's saying is if you stay salty, everybody says, don't be salty. I'm telling you, stay salty. If you stay salty, if you keep preserving yourself, if you keep believing, then what the Bible says is that he, you, will, you will stay saved. You will be saved at the end. But you have to preserve it. You have to continue 
to believe. You have to continue to hold on to the gospel. You have to continue to flavor the world. You have to continue to live out the will of God in your life. You have to continue to walk in the word. If this gospel will save you, if you continue to believe. Listen, y'all, we're called to be salt of the earth. Amen? Amen. We're called to flavor the earth. And we're called to preserve the gospel. Number two in your notes is this. Be light. I'm still trying to recoup from the drama. Be light. Our scripture said, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Do you know in scripture what the very first thing that God spoke into existence was? Let's read it together. Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, probably a lot of y'all memorize it and you know it with me. Read it with me. Say it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now look at verse three. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. Let's go one more. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. So cool. God spoke the light into existence. Everybody say, boom. He immediately, he spoke the light into existence. He immediately saw that this light was good. And then he did something that I sure wish that people would do, that we would follow this example in our lives. The Bible says that he separated light from darkness. In other words, these two things, they do not belong together. He separated, he saw that light was good and he separated Light from darkness. Man, if we could just get that concept in our lives, it would be so much easier to live out and be the light that he's called us to be. Amen? But here's what we do. You ready? We fill ourselves with light. Light. I'm reading my Bible. I'm digging in. I'm praying at five in the morning. I'm getting up and speaking scriptures over my family. I'm filling myself with light and we fill with light and we come to church and we worship Jesus and we play Christian music on our, on our radio as we're going to work and we do a devotional and we're filling ourselves with light. Somebody say amen. And so on one hand, we're doing really, really, really good. But then... At other times in the day, we're filling ourselves with darkness. The music that we're listening to is definitely of the devil. The Netflix series that I'm watching, Pastor, I'm, after this one, I'm going to be done. But this one, is just, it's, it's just, it's got me caught. And I got to finish. It's just so entertaining. Hulu, Disney, I don't know what what it is that you watch. Listen, as your series is entertaining you, you're entertaining Satan because he's just watching you mix up light and darkness inside of you because even though you are putting light in, you're also just mixing dark in it. 
And so on this side, we're like eating up light and we're trying to grow, but then we're over here and we're just putting darkness in and and we're not acting like Jesus. We're acting like Satan and we're letting our attitude get out of hand and we're living completely out of control and we're doing all of these things. So we're mixing light and we're mixing darkness. And then what happens is we just get confused. What is light? Oh, the Bible's light. What's darkness? Uh, Well, there's a... What happens is we get confused because instead of separating the light from the darkness, like, the, like, like God did from the very beginning, we just mix it all inside of us. And we got this thing turning inside of us that, that, that confuses us on what we should and shouldn't do, what we should and shouldn't believe, who we should and shouldn't believe. So now you got the power of the Holy Spirit that's getting less and less pulling because you got the power of Satan that's pulling. You guys are quiet today. The purpose of light, listen, is to eliminate and push back darkness. That's literally the nature of light. You don't have to make it do that. It naturally does that. When you turn a light on in a dark room, what happens? Boom, the darkness is pushed away. And so in our lives, when we turn the light on, it needs to push the darkness away. And you need to continue to push the darkness away. Somebody say amen. Amen. When the light shines, you can see things that you used to couldn't see. What's the purpose of darkness? Let's talk about some truths with darkness for just a minute. What does darkness do? Do you know that 11% of people are born naturally afraid of the dark? Darkness brings about fear. Why does it bring about fear? Because I don't know where the world I'm going when I'm going in darkness. Amen? It's confusing. I can't see the path that I'm supposed to walk on. So I'm just kind of walking in circles, not knowing where I'm going because I don't have a light to show me where to go. But I thought this was really, really powerful. Listen to this. Part of the purpose of darkness is to show us the need for the light. I saw this quote and I loved it. You can't appreciate the light until you've lived in darkness. Listen, you know why we love Jesus so much? Some of y'all can amen me on this one. I love Jesus so much because when I was 19, from 13 to 19 years old, it was dark and it was dark and it was dark and it was dark. And then when I turned 19, June of 2005, boom, a light shined down on me. And I appreciate that light in my life because it turned me away from the darkness. Now, listen to me, church. There are people that are living out there in the darkness, and what they need is they need God's people to step up and be light. Be salt and be light. Thank you, Forrest. He dumped some salt in it, y'all. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Listen, I want to show you something. No one light. Can you kill the lights for me? Can you kill these lights too? All the lights. Get to get rid of all the lights. Ooh. Youth, separate hands. <laughs> the Bible says, listen to me now. The Bible says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Would you say at this moment in time 
that this light is doing what it's supposed to do. What's happening? You know what? You know what I can do right now? I could walk down that spot right there and I'd be just fine. I wouldn't run into nobody. I can walk down that. I can. I bet if I put it up here, I could walk down both of them. Look at that. That light is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. The Bible says no one lights a lamp. And I got a basket right here and puts it under a basket. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that light doing what it's supposed to be doing now? No, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. No, what we do is we take and we light a light and we put it on a lampstand. And when a light is placed high on a lampstand and it's shining bright like it's supposed to, now I can walk down every single path. Everyone in here can see enough to stand up where you're at and walk down the path. Well, you know why? Because that light is doing the job that it's been called to do. It's been called to shine light so that people can see. Now you can turn the lights back on. Listen to me, Christians in this room, we have been called not to do this. I haven't been called to put my light in a basket. I haven't been called to keep my mouth shut about Jesus Christ. I have been called to go into the darkness and to extend myself as bright and as high as I can be and shine for Jesus Christ. And can I be honest with you? If I'm not doing this, I'm not doing my job. Oh. Somebody say, be salt. Be light. So we know in the church world that we see kind of this us versus them mentality sometimes. We know what Jesus told us that our relationship with the world should be. Be salt and be light. Give the world some good seasoning. Preserve the gospel. Shine brightly. Now to close us out, I want to share with you point number three. This is practically, how do I do this? How do I get out of the salt shaker? How do I put my light up on a lampstand and, 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 and shine brightly in the darkness? Point three is this. Be Jesus to the world. It's real easy, y'all. Be Jesus to the world. If we are his people, any, do I got any of his people in the room? I got three of them. <laughs> Lord, am I in the right church? <laughs> if we are his people and Christ is living inside of us, then what he's doing is he is helping to guide us. He is helping us to discern what's, what we're supposed to do. He's helping us to be that light. This is what Jesus said in the scriptures that we're looking at today. In the same way. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. It's not let your good deeds shine out to see so that everybody can talk about how awesome you are. Man, you know, Josh, he just likes to serve everybody. Okay, I'm gonna stay away from that. No, no, it's let your good deeds shine out to see because you're repping Jesus' name. And when you're repping his name and people see you repping his name and shining brightly, what they do is, man, there might actually be a God. <laughs> we accomplish the mission of being salt and light through our witness, y'all. Through what people see us do. And the actions that we have, I saw this quote this week and I thought it was so appropriate. It says, you are what you will do, not what you say that you will do. Amen. Oh, 
You are what you will do, not what you say that you will do. I got one more scripture for you. Actually, I probably got several, but we're going to go with this one for now. John 13, 35. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and here's what he says. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You want to be salt? Love people. Love people. Stop judging people. Stop coming against people. Stop talking about how bad the world is around us and just start loving them. Salt the world. Season it up. Shine your light. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I love through my actions. I be Jesus through my actions. I got another quote for you this morning. This one's good, too. You want to write this one in your notes. You ready? Here we go. Write this one down or type it up in your phone. Hashtag something. I don't know. When your actions contradict your words, your words no longer mean anything. Ouch. So somebody say, let your actions speak. In Matthew 25, I think Jesus gives us a beautiful picture of what our actions should speak to the world. I want to read it to you real quickly. Verses 34 through 36. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Listen to this. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in to your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. I love by my actions. All of those things could be summed up simply by seeing people and loving people. How do I, how do I be salt, pastor? How do I be light to the world? You see people and you use your actions to show them that God loves them. And when you do that, the Bible says you are accomplishing the gospel of Christ. This should be our relationship to the world. It should never be us versus the world. It should never be us judging the world or looking down on the world. It should be us changing the world by doing what Jesus called us to do and shining my light and salting the earth. Can you stand with me this morning? Worship team, would you guys come up and join me on the stage? Yo, I know I got a lot of quotes in this sermon because I found a lot of quotes that I like, but I got one more quote that I want to close with, and I think it is so good. Listen to this. It says, you may never know what results come from your actions, but if you do nothing, there will be no results. Well, pastor, I don't know if I should buy this guy this cheeseburger. I don't know if I should give this. I don't know if I should. I don't know. I, I don't know what. I don't know if he's going to give himself to God. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know. That's true. But if you never do anything, you're not going to do anything good. You will never know what results come from your actions. But if you do nothing, there will be no results. Isn't that powerful? God, help us take action. God, help us to be the church that you've called us to be. Help us to be the salt and the light. Help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to let our actions do the speaking and let our words follow our actions. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes?
Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now to challenge us, speak to us, stretch us, put us in the place where you have for us to be. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask our altar team, would you guys step out and come to the front? Nobody looking around. In just a minute, we're going to play a song. We're going to worship together. With every head bowed and every eye closed, in just a minute, if you, if you say, Pastor, I'm not being salt and I'm not being light, I just want to say one way that you can do that is through inviting people to church. I'm just not confident enough to share the gospel. Well, I'll do it for you. You just get them here. So if you're here and you say, I want to, I want to step into my calling of being salt and light, and you want to come grab a card in just a minute when we start singing this song, they're all over the altars. Come get a card. Allow God to, write, to, to lead you in putting those names down. But besides that, if you are in here and the Holy Spirit's working on you, if you're in here and you need prayer, if you're in here and you're struggling, maybe right now you're in the church and you don't know who Jesus is or maybe you've doubted faith in Jesus and you haven't given your life to him because you've just been unsure of this whole thing. If you're here and today you say, you know what, I, I want to I try this Jesus thing out. I want to give my, my life to the Lord. I want to get things right. Maybe you've given your life to him, but you've fallen away from him. Maybe you got hurt by church. Maybe you got hurt by church people. Maybe you got hurt by the world, but something caused you to turn away. If you need to get your life right with Jesus, today is the day. Maybe you're in here and you're just struggling. You're a believer. Maybe you're struggling in your walk. You're struggling in your faith. You're struggling in your marriage. You're struggling and you want someone to agree with you and pray with you. In just a second, when we start to sing, come get the prayer that you need. If you need healing, strength, guidance, wisdom, or if you're here and you just want to find a place where you can get alone with God, there's altars up here. There's places at the stairs. Right now, let's go through. Can we do this? Can we go through one song together? where before anybody leaves, we worship the Lord with everything that we got. And if you're in here and you need prayer, come step out and come get the prayer that you need. Let's sing this song right now. Come on. If you want to join me down at the front to worship, step out and come. If you need prayer, step out and come.